I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres such as ghosts, demons, franchises, and directors' bodies of work. And here we are with episode eight. Oh yeah, we're covering the Paranormal Activity franchise this week after coming off of Werewolves, which ended up being more fun than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, we had a pretty good time on that one. Yeah, my jaws hurt from laughing. I was a little hard on ginger snaps. Just a little. So (laughs) we're going through the cycle and and having a good time doing it. Uh, We're not running out of ideas and stuff to do, which is good because we're early on. We just have pages of it. So yeah, (laughs) I just want to kind of keep it where it's not always the same thing over and over again. So I felt like the diversity has been pretty good. Yeah, I I feel like we can start covering slasher franchises soon, though. You know, it's really weird that you bring that up because we started off with like we bit off more than we could chew kind of with going so hardcore into slashers. And and as we've gone through this, it's like, well, fuck, we seem to really love slashers because we like really went into that real easy. And these other ones, it's like, like Eli Roth, you know, not knowing a lot about the guy going into it and researching shit. It's like, oh, well, fuck. We're never going to run out of franchises no. to do. I mean, we could just randomly do Nightmare on Elm Street for the franchise. And some of them might be more than one episode. Yeah. Speaking of which, this Paranormal Activity episode, I'm planning on it being one episode. However, if it gets a little long, I'm going to say it's getting long and that we're going to cut it into two. Yeah. I mean... I was originally shooting for hour long episodes. You know, if it was 10 minutes under 10 minutes over, it was fine twice. Now I think we've hit like hour and a half mark. Yeah. I never want to go over an hour and a half. Yeah. That was, that was brutal. <laughs> and I would rather give better content than restrict us on time as much. Yeah. So we're going to aim for an hour. Every time If we run over, we run over. I'm going to know pretty early on in this one. If it looks like it's going to be like two hours or something. Yeah. And if it looks like it's going to be two hours or something, I'm going to, we're just going to split it into two. Yeah, that's, that's fine. And this is a weird one. Cause we've talked about it. It's like, this is either going to go faster than we think it's going to, or way right. longer than we think it's going to. So this is either episode eight paranormal activity or episode eight and nine paranormal activity. We'll go with it and see the movies are really basic in the sense that you could say they set up a camera. It's found footage shit happens. And this is the end. And then I just did a whole movie description. Yeah. But what they managed to do with this movie that you don't normally see in a horror movie franchise is they put a thread that goes from the first movie through the sixth and it connects back and forth over and over again pretty well. I'm not saying there's not potholes, yeah. but I mean, hell, they did better than some blockbuster franchises have done, right? Yeah. I would say we normally have like five or six pages of notes. That's both of our notes combined. This one's 13. Actually, I think it ended up being 14. It's 15 now. 15 now. Josh added some stuff this morning. Thank you for that. And we don't <laughs> read the notes. They're kind of like reference points. Yeah. Um, we might specifically go back and read on this episode because I want to make sure we cover the timeline right. Yeah, because the timeline and the thread, like you were saying, that that's what becomes important in the series and neat about the series because you could have just went with the first one and, you know, because the first one doesn't really go into a lot of backstory. And uh, as as the series progresses and things get added in, they figured out how to keep tying back and expanding at the same time. And what you got to keep in mind is the guy who made the first movie was not a filmmaker. No. And he made the movie and it was a one and done. Yep. And then turned into a franchise. So let's, you know, we're here to talk about the franchise. Let's do the backstory of the franchise. Then we're going to go into the movies. Like normal, the first movie usually has more backstory than the rest because that was the one that was hard to get made. Oh, yeah. The other ones come because they want to print more money. More money. But Orrin Pelly made the movie. He was a software programmer for the most part, right? Yeah, he was working at Sony at the time when he when he came up with the idea of a hobby project. Right, and he bought a house, and he moved into it, and at night he would hear lots of creaking, yep. and it was just the house settling. He knew that, but it gave him an idea for a movie. So with no filmmaking experience, he 
Got a $15,000 budget. Yep. Spent most of that budget on the camera, right? That No, actually. Okay. Everybody says that. And it was a recent interview that I listened to. Um, he had set aside 10K. The project ran over to 15. Okay. But uh, he actually spent about just over two grand on the camera and okay. just over three grand on an editing PC and a whole bunch of software, a whole bunch of tapes and a okay. whole bunch of batteries. Okay. And there was like peanuts left to pay the cast and crew. $500. Yeah. He just got paid $500. Yeah. And because he made it a point like, this is no way I can have union actors. I need people that aren't, don't have SAG cards that, because I'm not going to have much money left to pay you. I mean, the funny thing is he was trying to figure out how he was going to write the screenplay because he didn't know how to write a screenplay. We got around it. He literally told, you know, Mika and Katie, they use the real names. He told them to like, this is going to happen this day because they shot this whole movie in one week. So like, this is going to happen. Improv all of your lines. Yep. Right. And then they did that. There's some actually some pretty fantastic special effects in here. I saw a YouTube video where they it's a channel that they redo special effects in movies on their yeah. own. Did you see it? Yeah, where they showed them the the fan and doing the matting out of the yeah, rope yeah, yeah. and all that. So I, I might hit that up later because I thought that was really neat. Like yeah. I might even link it on something to that guy's video. I don't I don't have no problem cross promoting because that was <laughs> it was fantastic. Cause I, I I really wish they would have done the footsteps though. He didn't yeah. recreate the footsteps, you know. Oren Pelley probably did not know at the time, but he was actually making the most profitable movie in cinematic history. Yeah, crazy profitable. Because they go off a return on investment, and it was $15,000 to make the movie, and I want to say the worldwide was like $192 million or 100, something. 196 I think. But when he was trying to get this movie out, he tried to hit the film festival circuit. Sundance rejected the movie. He got it into Screamfest 07, I think. Yeah, he got it into Screamfest and, oh, what's the name of the other one? Slamdance. Those were the only okay. two that accepted him. Somehow from Screamfest, it ended up in Steven Spielberg's hands and he had a screener and he watched it and he actually thought he had a possessed copy of the DVD because he started hearing shit in his house and he yeah. swears that he got locked into his movie room and he couldn't get the door open and had to call locksmith. So he took the disc back to the office in a garbage bag because he thought it was fucking cursed to this yeah. day. But he decided to pick it up under his at the time, studio DreamWorks. Yeah, well, now what's interesting is how that got to DreamWorks was 100% because of Jason Blum. After ScreamFest, CAA, Creative Artist Agency, actually mm -hmm. contacted Orrin Pelly. Okay. And they said, we're going to set you up with a couple of producers, and you can use this as like your business card, because this isn't a movie. We'll get you some directing gigs. And it was Jason Blum and Steve Schneider. And then Jason Blum showed the movie to a girl named Ashley Brooks. Okay. Because he just knew she was a horror fan. Okay. And she's like, oh, I fucking love this. I'm going to show this to my friend at work. And that was uh, Adam Goodman. They worked at Paramount, or not Paramount. They worked at uh, DreamWorks. Okay. And that was actually how it got to DreamWorks and then to Spielberg. Something Josh said that I really want to point out, though. Jason Blum, Blumhouse Productions, this is really their first movie. Yeah. We've said in previous episodes that thank God for Blumhouse because they're getting us things that we probably would not have seen otherwise. Yeah. It's thanks to this paranormal activity money that that even happened. Well, and part of why that was such a big deal for uh, Jason was because he missed out on being involved in Blair Witch. Okay. Okay. And was always pissed off about it. Didn't know so that. So when he saw this shit, he was like, there's no way I'm carrying the torch for this. This is the next right. Blair Witch. And when the movie was going to be released, you know, it was made by DreamWorks. Paramount stepped in in some form or fashion. Yeah. And they wanted to reshoot the movie. They're like, this is an awesome proof of concept. This is a great idea. We're going to hire real actors, real directors, and make the movie now. Yeah. However, what I read, Jason Blum was smart enough to put a little clause in the contract that they had to air it once for a live audience. Yeah, there was that. And there was also another stipulation in there that once it got to a DVD release, that the original movie would be featured on the DVD because Orrin Pelly wanted to give props to okay. Katie and Mika. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause they did a fantastic job. They screened it in California and there was a line from around the corner and actually any of the trailers you see where the people in the night vision camera watching the movie screaming yeah. it's from that night. Yeah. And people were getting up and leaving the movie theater. Well, the Paramount executives were like, look, we're gonna have to reshoot this shit. People are walking out of the movie, but they have to do an exit interview. Yeah. And they're like, this is the scariest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm gonna have a heart attack or shit my pants if I keep watching it. <laughs> and then they decided to keep it. So it worked, right? So yeah. So about a year passes and on Orrin Pelly's birthday, he gets an email. It's like, hey, remember Adam Goodman? He's now the president of Paramount. Okay. The okay. movie's going to get released. Friends in that place has kicked in, right? <laughs> yeah. And this brings us back to Jason Blum again. It was all about Jason Blum showing that movie to someone who showed that movie and then them moving over, taking the movie with them to the other studio um, that let it go come out. And what's real funny is Paramount said, okay, we're going to release your movie. We're giving you $0 for marketing. Go figure it out. And they came back and figured out that Paramount's marketing department had zero projects that fall when okay. they wanted to release the movie. And they begged and pleaded and said, we'll give you 700K, which is peanuts. Marketing is usually right. at least 20, 30 million. And they did the whole online thing. Right. Well, it's interesting how they got to that. They would play it in college towns, midnight release only. Yeah. Right. And it was getting really popular. There's a site called like Eventful or something like that. Yeah. And it's used to request a band to come to your city. First time in history it had ever been used for a movie. Okay. I didn't know that. So you could go to the site and demand the movie. And if you got enough hits, it would come out in your theater in your city. Okay. Yeah. But they said if it hit a million demands, they would do a nationwide release. Okay. Four days. That's all it took? Four days. Got a million, million demands for it. And- I like to say, uh, I don't know when you saw the movie first, but I was, it was my last year of college and I was a theater projectionist okay. and my friend Drew worked with me. He was also a projectionist and we'd have to screen the movies cause they were actual film back then. We'd have to splice them together and put them together and test them. Yeah. Make sure we didn't put shit upside down and backwards and stuff. Right. <laughs> and it was scheduled out how we do it. And we had a group of friends that we'd screen movies together with Drew and all of our friends like Adam and Julio and everybody got to scream paranormal activity. I had to watch something else. Oh, so I was a little sad and then it came out and I'm working in the booth cause I work weekend nights. Right. Cause I was the only person willing to work that late yeah. and I can hear screams in the fucking booth from that section nonstop. Now it's not hundred percent soundproof, but it's pretty soundproof up in a booth. Okay. So then we were selling so many tickets of it. They requested another copy. Oh damn. So I had to put another copy together, had to screen it. So then I watched that motherfucker by myself in a 355 seat theater. Okay. <laughs> and I don't mean like, just by myself in that house, there was nobody else in the fucking building. And I had to go back up in the projection booth and rethread the movies and turn everything off and leave by myself afterwards. Oh shit. So it was fucking terrifying. Cause that like really added on to it for me for this movie. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I didn't even see it in theaters. I didn't get to see it until home release, which is what people, you know, kind of bitched about when the DVD was being passed around. Right. Like, no, no, you have to see this in a theater. I feel like we've covered the backstory a good bit. We're going to dive in the movies. We're going to try to not be all over the place, but the franchise ends up being all over the place yeah. a little bit in a good way. They reference back. There's one particular scene that I thought was in the second movie, and it's actually in pieces in the second, third, and fourth movie. <laughs> you know what? I'm going back and doing it. I guess a brief plot summary, and then we'll make sure we hit the, we'll check our notes, make sure we hit the, the main points and go in. Yeah. The first movie takes place in 06. You have Katie pull up at the house and Mika's already filming her with a camera and she's making fun of like how big it is. Cause it's not a digital one, yeah. you know, and, and things like that. And he's talking about how he bought it. And he says he wants to capture all the freaky shit that's going on in the house. 
And throughout the movie, she kind of references that it's been happening to her her entire life, basically, since she was a kid. Yeah. And they set the uh, camera up on a tripod at the foot of the bed. That's the poster everybody's seen. And they kind of, they went with that, except for the marked ones for every poster. It was kind of that angle. Yep. But it's just staring at the foot of their bed. And, you know, the first couple of times they go to sleep, you just get like footsteps. You see hallway lights turning on and off. The door moves. Nothing major. And, of course, Mika's supposed to be reviewing these videos, you know, the next day. And he points out the little things. Yeah, just a bunch of little subtle stuff. Nothing crazy yet. Just just setting up some tension. Right, right. Katie gets a doctor to come in, like a psychologist or something, Dr. Fredericks, right? Yeah. And he comes in and he's saying it's a demon, not a ghost, because they're saying ghost originally, right? Yeah. And he's letting them know that demons feed off a negative energy and to be careful with that. And that's an ongoing theme through the movies. And like yep. even Mika recording it and taunting him is not helping. And he says he knows an expert, Dr. Avery's, I believe, but he's out of the, out of the country or out of town in, in some fashion. Okay. They set up the camera. Next few nights, you see like the door moving again. Katie jumps up because something's whispering to her, right? Yeah. Like, so it, it's real freaky. And even if you've seen it, and I hadn't seen it while, watch it again. If you've never seen it, watch it. I can tell you this whole fucking movie, and I cannot tell you how many times I jumped, yelled, said, oh shit, almost fell to my chair one time, screaming, going through all six of these movies. Like, they're good no matter what. It progressively gets worse, and it always says, like, night, blah, 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 on the movie. Yeah. And night 13 is the first, like, super freaky one. You hear this really weird sound that's, like, very ethereal. It sounds like it's from the other side, and then just, like, a loud thud, and they freak the fuck out, run downstairs, and the chandelier is just fucking swinging okay yeah they have no clue what happened and if we haven't said this before this is filmed in orin pelly's house yep this is his real house okay so like i said real low budget on this one <laughs> um there's another night like a couple nights later where katie wakes up and she just fucking stares over mika's body when he's asleep for hours and you can see the clock going and spinning spinning she just stand there rocking and just gets right back in bed yeah i have to bring up how completely terrifying that is because around the same time Actually, that's not true. It was a little bit before this, but I actually dated a girl and uh, actually woke up one night with her just standing there staring over me. And when I tried to shake her out of it, she's like, what? What's going on? And she <laughs> didn't sleepwalk or anything like that. And this was years before this movie. So when it got to that point, I'm like, you know, some of this stuff is tension. I get it. It gets to that. And I'm like, that's just real. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I want to take it back a step. I said she got back in bed after she stood over him. She actually she ends up missing. Like she doesn't vanish or anything. The, the movie has hard cuts. It cuts yeah. to Mika running around with the camera yelling Katie because she's missing. Right. Yeah. And he can't find her in the house. And she's sitting on the porch swing in the backyard, swinging back and forth. And she's stared in the space like she's not all there. And he, he's trying to get her to come in. She's like, no. And he's like, let me at least get you a blanket. And he goes in to get her a blanket. And she's just standing behind him and scares the shit out of him. Yeah. And it, it, he screams and she goes, Mika, what are you doing? You woke me up. Like she has no clue that she was sitting on that swing. Yeah, she was somewhere else during all that. And he gets her back in bed and stuff. I remember at some point, like I said, I don't, I don't want to miss anything important, but he gets a Ouija board when she's out with her friends. Or maybe her sister. She talks about her sister, Christy, a couple times in the yeah. movie. She's mad at him because he has a Ouija board in the house. And she's like, we're not supposed to taunt him. And they go outside. So you can hear the muffled fight through the door because they're out on the porch. And the camera is set there focused on the Ouija board. And you can see the planchette start moving around on its own. And then the Ouija board catches on fire. There's wind blowing and like the, pl the fake plants in the house yeah. are moving and shit. The fire is extinguished by the time they, because I guess they go out for the night. They never come back in the house. Yeah, they find it like, like way later. And there's some spots burned and he's. Mika's trying to figure out what it says, and it's kind of unlegible, I think, at that point. Um, he does a little bit of research, and he somehow that links to a video he finds on the internet of the 60s where a woman was possessed, right? Yeah. He kind of puts him back forth. That part was kind of confusing. And I watched every, all six of these twice just for the podcast, and I've already seen them all before, and I've never quite got that link. 
Yeah, because he never really, it doesn't go through the whole thing of like researching and connecting the dots like it does in later movies. It's just like all of a sudden here he is on his laptop. He's like, hey, look at this. (laughs) (laughs) Mika does something really cool. And this part was not explained on the special effects video I saw, but he basically puts baby powder in the hallway in front of their door and, and down the hallway. And when they're asleep at night, you see little footprints appear in the powder and then it leaves powder as it's walking up to Katie in the bed and back out. Of course, they see the footprints the next morning and they follow it to the bedroom attic. And when they go up there or when Mika goes up there, rather, he finds a picture of a little girl and the edges are all burned. Yep. Brings it down and Katie's like, that's me as a little girl. This should have burned up in the house fire when I was a kid. Right. So that it shouldn't be there. And she says they had an unexplained house fire. The next night, though. The lights are going on and off. There's a lot of loud banging. The door slams. I think they kind of get trapped in the room, right? And they can't get out. Yeah. And they're screaming. And then something's, this happens a lot in the movies where the door slams and locks the people in the room. But then it sounds like the monster's trying to get in the room. It's like, why did you do that? To make you scream and yell. <laughs> that's why, right? Yeah. But at this point, shit's starting to get amped up. Right. And they hear a smash and they find a photo of Mika and Katie and the glass is broke and Mika's face is scratched out, right? So yeah. something, something doesn't like him being there. They get Dr. Fredericks to come back because Dr. Avery's is still out of the country and he's like walking the door. And he's like, oh, oh, I feel this. I can't I can't stay in here. I'm making it angry by being here. He's the best and worst part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like his acting. But he pieces the fuck out because yeah, he feels he, like he's making it the yeah, demon he, more angry. Yeah. He's like, I can't help you. And he vamps out. At this point, we start hitting something every night. It's like then the next night you just see like a shadow move across the door like something's coming in the room. Then the next night shit gets fucked. And this is one of those things I saw in the YouTube video. They're like trying to recreate the effects. Katie's asleep and you see the blanket like roll and flip over. And then her foot gets picked up and just drags off the bed. And she starts screaming and gets yanked in the floor. Then turned down the hallway and she's screaming, Mika! And she just gets pulled down the hallway. And he has to chase down and go get her, right? Yeah. Like he runs and gets her and he brings her back in the bedroom. And this is the point where they're finally like, yeah, let's go stay at a hotel. This shit is fucked, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the next morning when, when they're p- making the plans to go to the hotel, Katie's just sitting in the floor and she's got that weird like distance look like she did on the swing and she doesn't know what in the fuck's going on. And she's holding onto this wooden cross. Yeah. And her hand's bleeding, right? Yeah. Like the cross is hurting her or she's squeezing it too hard. And there's bite marks on her thigh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like she's been bit by something and, and Mika's definitely like, this is fucked. He gets her up in the bed and lays her down, and and she starts saying, "You know what? I'm okay. We can stay. I think everything's okay now." Oh yeah, when she's laying in the bed, yeah, and, he, and oh, she looks so creepy there, dude. And he, I think he sets the camera down. It's not on the tripod. It's supposed to be sitting on the bed. And he walks to the room, and she makes the creepiest fucking face. And then she goes, "It's all okay now." But you hear like a lower voice say it with her. Yeah. And then she just smiles at the camera. And that's the thing. These two people, they were fucking fantastic because they're improving the lines, making the faces. Miko is the goddamn cameraman most of the time. Yep. You know, so they were, they're really convincing on all this. And then let's see. So they decide to stay, they go back to bed and this is night 21. And this is where shit just gets fucked. Like Katie wakes up. She's staring over Mika's body again for like hours. Yeah. And it's just running, running, running. And then you see her walk down the stairs and you get this thud, thud, like these really deep, big steps as she goes down. And then you just hear her start screaming and yell Mika. And he just wakes up and holds ass like his girl's in trouble, right? Running down the stairs. And then, you know, you can tell something happened, like a scuffle. Yeah. And you hear the thuds coming up the the stairs, but you can't see more than two feet past the doorway because it's pure darkness. Yeah. And something is fucking hurled at the camera and just takes the (laughs) tripod out. It's Mika's body. Okay. And Katie walks up to the camera 
and what you see in theaters, and I want to cover the endings of this movie. No. But what you see in theaters is Katie kind of gets down and sniffs the body, and it's kind of odd. And she looks at the camera and then does the CGI demonic face and just kind of snaps at the camera, and it's over. And then you, you know, it pops up text about how Katie's missing and Miko's killed and this, 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 and that. And it's really weird seeing CGI randomly pop up in the movie. Yeah. But this is something that's consistently used throughout the movies when the possessed has a demon face. And it's actually one of the more jarring things to me, just just the little bit of CGI usage, you know. But the movie actually had multiple endings originally. So that was not the first ending. Steven Spielberg loved the movie when he saw it. Hated the ending. The original ending. Gave them $4,000 to reshoot an ending, which I don't know why it cost that much money when they did the rest of the movie for like ten or $15,000 or whatever. But uh, the original ending... Katie throws Mika's body. I actually was able to find it on YouTube. It gets pulled a lot, but I was able to find it the other day. And then she just sits on the floor and days and nights go by and she's just rocking and never gets up. Have you seen this ending? Yep. Okay. And then you, you hear like, then it stops time lapsing and she's still sitting there and, it, and you hear like, police, you know, is anybody in here? And the police are going through the house and they make it into the hallway and she stands up with the knife and like, she's got a weapon and they just open fire on her and she fucking dies in the hallway. Yep. And then you get the same, you know, the text popped up. We went and had a sequel that way. I don't think that was Spielberg's intention. I don't think so either. But even before we got the theatrical ending that we all saw where she sniffs the camera and attacks at it, Orrin Pelly actually shot his own alternate ending. Yeah. This is the one I like the best. This is the one I like the best. But once again, we went and had a sequel. She actually, after she throws Mika, she walks in the room with the camera and grabs the knife and just slits her throat and drops down dead. Yeah. Right. And I guess it's kind of like, where did they want to go with it? The plot's really good in Katie's part. And the franchise's plot is very important. Yeah. So I'm glad they decided to keep her around. I'm pretty sure, like, I feel like I hit everything on that one. How do you feel about it, Josh? I think you did. And it's really weird to talk about the movie. Like anyone who's listening, who's seen the movie or the movies, they know what we're talking about. Anyone who's listening to this and hasn't seen the movies, it's really, really weird trying to describe how good this is, where it's like these people are asleep, noises happen, this stuff happens thrown at the camera, demon face right. credits. It's, it's like, a found footage movie with student actors, right? Yeah. And like, that's the gist of it. Yeah, but we, there's we, so we, much more, even without the franchise, the first one is just, but it's, these are scary. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing about the first one is it's one of those that like, you know, me and you both for the most part, aren't into sequels because they usually just go downhill. And this is one that it, I like, I'm torn. I'm like, this would have been, it freaked me out. It would have been so good to just leave it alone. But if they had left it alone, it'd probably be one that we'd be saying, why the fuck didn't they ever make a sequel to that? I agree. Uh, I would have been perfectly happy with this being a one-off, but it's actually one of my favorite horror movie franchises, I think, because it's consistently good. I feel like for the most part, I mean, everything's got its up and downs, but even me as a Halloween fan, I will, when we hit Halloween, I'm going to shit on some sequels, right? Like (laughs) it just happens. I really, I can't shit on any sequels. I can shit on a scene or like a plot hole here and there. There's a lot of plot points going on. So, you know, you can't have all winners, right? Yeah. So the movie's successful, unbelievably successful. Most um, profitable movie of all time, right? Yeah. We have so many sequels to go through. We're not going to go into the who's and what's of right. the sequels. It's like, let's let's move move on with this thread. So we move on to Paranormal Activity 2. Yep. 2010. It takes place from 2005 to 2006, and it's before, during, and after the first movie in the time. Right, right, yep. right. Okay. So we open with a home video montage with this family. We've got the baby Hunter being brought home to mom, Christy mm-hmm. and dad, Dan. And then they're being filmed by Dan's daughter, Allie. Right, right. 
And then we've got Martine, who's the housekeeper. And she's awesome. <laughs> and she's going to be very important in the movie. Katie's over to visit and it kind of sets up this whole thing. It's like, oh, here's the sister. Katie even makes a joke about being the evil step aunt, which I, I think is part. great foreshadowing. But because in at this part in the movie, this is before everything that happened Correct. in the first one. And that's what's going to get real difficult going through these as, as I go through parts of like in the series, like stuff starts to jump around. You would think the first movie would be the anchor for the franchise's multiple threads, but yeah. it's actually this movie. If you think about it. Yeah. Like they all always point back to this movie, which slightly points back to the first one. Yeah, well, this, this one and the one after it, I think yeah. two and three most definitely give you the whole mythos of right, what's right. going on. But the movie goes ahead and jumps ahead a year. The family has come home from somewhere and the house is just fucking trash. Oh, yeah. Every room except for the baby's room. I'd like to include the basement is also trashed. Yes. They, they point out, I just want to say this, like a pool of water in the corner. Yeah, because it never gets referenced back to. Yeah, because like the dog's name is Abby and, and Christy is like, is that? No, it's Allie that's down there. It's it? Abby. It, I only know because I had a dog named Abby. No, no, no. no but who's filming? Uh, I think Allie's filming. Allie's filming. She's like, is that Abby? Yeah. Pointing at the puddle. And it's like, why? Why do you have to make reference to that? I, I feel like the puddle probably had significance in the film that never got pointed back okay. to. Okay. But we're going to go on and on about this movie. So we'll get away from the puddle. Yeah. Um, so they, they actually say that the only thing that seems to be missing is a necklace that Katie had given to Christy. Right. And so the dad goes overboard and gets cameras put all over the house, which is great for the sequel because right. now we get, we get handheld cameras and now there's six cameras throughout the house. Right. As a security installer, I got problems with, I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> um, but you have like what the entryway, you have the pool outside, you yep. have the kitchen, you have one in the living room, looking over the living room towards the kitchen. Yep. You have Hunter's room. Yep. And where's the sixth one? Um, front door looking at the front walkway. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're pretty good spots for plot anyways. Yeah. So we start going into the, what's going to become the formula of as the night's ghost stuff happens. So we've got like on the, on the first night, the pool vacuum has <laughs> ended up out of the pool for some reason. You, you um, kind of watch it, don't you? It goes up and then that's, out that, a different night. Not till they're reviewing the, the footage though. Okay. This yeah, is, they actually see this the next the pool morning. thing happens a lot. Yeah. It happens though, the whole damn movie. And the dad's like, Maybe I turned it up too high. <laughs> but uh, Abby is real interested in the basement for yeah. some reason, because that's really about about it. You know, it's the, the rumbles and noises right. except for the first night. The really like low that they like to do. I want to point out, we didn't say this in the first one, but the witching hour is very relevant in these movies. Yeah. Most of the things happen just after 3 a.m., but sometimes it's after 2 a.m. Um, maybe time zones come to play, yeah. but I want to say that almost all of this happens during the witching hour. And I can't believe I, I missed out on saying that on the first one. It doesn't. Anyone who doesn't know what the witching hour is, that's from 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. because it's supposed to be part of the threes, the mockery of the Holy Trinity. Right, right. We do get a couple of daytime things like the next morning um, after Christy gets Hunter out of the high chair, she's walking away and the high chair just kind of deduce over. And she thinks that like she hooked his foot or something on it, right? Yeah. yeah. A couple of little things that nobody really notices. Night two, I think. During the witching hour, we have Hunter just blood curdling scream in his right. room for no reason. But Katie's over. I think maybe they had gone out or something, but Katie's there taking care of Hunter for the night because they right. talk about it the next morning. You see a date night later in the movie. So it makes me think that it was possibly a date night and let and Aunt Katie come stay with the baby. All right? that Burger King money. All that Burger King. <laughs> he is the Burger King. <laughs> so the next morning, Meek is over and they're doing the whole breakfast thing. So Christy tells Katie about the break in and said that it just felt kind of creepy like when they were kids. Um, by night three, we get Hunter talking with something out of view of the camera. After night three, we end up with Christy, Allie, and Martine looking through the photo album. Yeah, yeah. And cool. they find this old picture of Katie. And Christy says, oh, I thought that's one of the pictures we lost in the house fire. And it is the identical picture 
from their attic, minus the burned corners and edges. Exactly. We keep doing the day-night thing and the night's being mentioned. We get some rumbling, creaking, noises, Abby trying to get into the basement, and Martine is home alone with Hunter and hears a loud slam upstairs and Hunter screaming. She freaks out. Right, right. And she's like grabbing the sage and reciting shit and <laughs> running around the house. And she had made mention earlier in the movie, I should have said this, talking to Allie while she's cooking. She's like saying something. Allie's like, what are you saying? She's like about spirits. She's like, keep the good ones in, let the bad ones out. Well, it, something like she's that. She's walking around with the camera. Allie is like talking about the house earlier in the movie. And you actually see Martine blessing the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the parents walk in right in the middle of this blessing and the dad's like, fuck this, you're out. Oh, yeah, because there's like the smoke coming in at the front door, right? Yeah. And he's like, I've told you not to do this voodoo shit. He doesn't say voodoo, but he's like implying that it's it's dark arts and it scares him. Basically. Right, right. And, you know, he's, he's being nice, but he's walking around with their suitcase. Yeah. Like, I'm going to give you great references. <laughs> yeah, he just didn't want it in his house. So the next morning we've got Christy trying to get Hunter to say dada. And uh, she's like right down in his face with the camera. And his field of view is like up over the camera right. and around and beside the camera. And she's like, what are you looking at? And it's, <laughs> you know, just setting up more of this whole thing with something that keeps getting Hunter's attention. We move on to another night where Christy's up in the bedroom with Hunter and she thinks she hears something outside and, and it's at night. She goes and she like pulls the curtain open to look outside. And right then we get a demon seeking bird slamming into the window. Right. I don't, a- don't know if it's demon seeking. That's just how I, I will say call it. this is something the franchise is fantastic at. She looks out the window a couple of different times. Like yeah. in that one, one scene, I don't mean like different nights and like you're waiting on something to happen and nothing happens. Yeah. And that's, she looks again, nothing happens. Yeah. And we hate shitty jump scares. Oh yeah. I hate and jump scares except for these. Yeah. Like the first three movies, none of the jump scares really feel cheap. By the time right. we get to four, some bullshit starts getting full. Four, there's a little bit more that are cheap, but there's still some good ones in there. Yeah. But then five and six has really good ones. And jump scares in a setup, you know, movie on a dolly, this, this, and that professionally done movie with different camera angles are cheap and shitty. And a found footage movie, you got the camera all over the place or looking in a shitty direction. And I feel like this is the genre or this is the the category that I feel like jump scares were made for is yeah. found footage. And it's just used so much better in these ways where you don't feel cheated. Exactly. But we end up moving into night 10 and Christy, is she downstairs when the pot falls off the, the rack or is that what she hears and goes in there? I think it just falls. We see okay. it as a viewer fall from the kitchen cam and she goes to check out the sound, right? I got you. And uh, she goes down there or in there and hangs it back up and then it falls again. Right. Katie and Mika come over and we have another conversation about scary shits going on. It's like when we were kids, they don't want to talk about it. Right. I mean, is that, that's not the bedroom scene yet. That's just them in the kitchen, I think. Yeah. I think they're just in the kitchen and maybe Allie, I don't, this happens definitely in the movie where Allie's like, tell me more about it. And Katie's like, no, we don't talk about this stuff because yeah. Katie's really adamant about not talking about any of it. Yeah. And this is still before the first one, I think. Right? Yeah. It has oh, to be. In, in the timeline? Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that when we get to it. I'm, I'm going to pick your brain okay, about Okay. So night 11, we have the random stove fire while Allie's got her boyfriend outside in the hot tub. <laughs> Busted. Yeah. <laughs> so when the dad comes in, he's like, comes outside yelling at her and how he's disappointed in the boyfriend. So yeah. they just play the whole thing off. Like, did you leave something on the stove? Daniel's pissed, man. Cause, and even then, like that could have not been the haunting. Yeah. It could have been the kids left. It and on. it's one of those that us as the viewer, we really don't get a tell on it, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be demonic. Right. Right. And the next day, Dan goes to jump into the hot tub <laughs> and burns the shit out of himself. And he comes back in again. He's like, did you leave the hot tub up all high last night. So the next night we've got the parents out again, like you were saying, it's and, like a date uh, night, right? <laughs> yeah. 
and we've got Allie and her boyfriend hanging out, and they decide to play with the Ouija board. So why do the Ouija boards always come into these things? Yeah, we're going back to this again. It's like public service announcement for all of our listeners. You know, if you've got demons in your house, don't go to the Ouija board <laughs> right. first. Okay, but first they make a joke about how it's spelling that it wants pussy. And because that's the boyfriend moving it. And then it starts moving again real quick. And Allie's not really paying attention. She's like laughing, like, oh, you're still doing stuff. And there's a couple of cups there that insinuate that these underage kids have been drinking. Right. But he's like, no, he's just spelling out Hunter's name. He doesn't ever say it. He starts spelling out and then it cuts to another camera upstairs, if I remember right. But later that night, we've got Allie asleep on the couch Mm -hmm. and you see the shadow kind of come up over and then she jolts awake and the shadow's gone. And there's a real big jump scare for you as the viewer here because the TV's playing in the background. You can't see it like the camera's yeah. mounted over it. And then it turns into static when That's the right. shadow's coming. And then you just hear this tinnitus-like pressure build and then it just whoop and stops. And that's when she sets up. It's just perfectly timed. Yep. I, that and the bird. Like it was the first two times I jumped in this fucking movie. You know? <laughs> but uh, she gets up and goes looking around and notices that the front door's open. So she closes the front door and starts walking upstairs, I guess, you know, because she's going to go to bed. And then there's this slam. Right. And she goes back. She starts looking around outside, makes the mistake of stepping outside. Mm -hmm. Fucking door slams behind her. She's locked out. And do we see anything else before the parents come home? Oh, yeah. Shit. We see. (laughs) Sorry. I just had to reference my notes. So we we see some serious shit. Is that when Hunter's like running around the house? Well, it shows her beating on the door. And then she comes around to the patio door and still can't get in. You're seeing it from the kitchen. Then it cuts to Hunter's room. And you see him just kind of sliding across his mattress. Is this when he's on the rail? Yeah. And then sliding <laughs> up the fucking rail. But yeah, he goes running around the house and he goes downstairs and opens up the basement door. Right. And then now the kid's interested in the basement too. Somehow he ends up back in the crib. That's not shown, at least not in the version I was watching. No, no. You don't see how he gets put back in the crib, but that lets you know that something picked him up and put him back in. Cause even if he's, you know, he's a year old. So even if he managed to crawl up and jump out, yeah, he's not going to get back, back in. in. Right, right. So that lets you know that something got him out and put him back in. So the parents come home and they're fucking livid. Right. Because, you know, the daughter's locked herself out. Where the fuck is Hunter? You're a horrible babysitter. At this point, you've been having your fucking boyfriend over. You're right. fucked with the hot tub. And I think that's kind of building up why they don't believe anything she's saying. Because at this point, she's the only one that's kind of looking from talking to Martine and looking at a little bit of review of the video that she right. thinks something's going on. And it could have been the wind that shut the door. And that's I don't what, know what wind comes from inside your house out, <laughs> but, you know, it's the wind. Why not? But uh, and, and that's what, you know, Dan ends up saying to her. And I think the next night is when Allie hears some noise downstairs, like some stomping. And she goes down and now there's the fucking toy that's like driving around itself in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. And then she goes walking around because it's like this weird open area. So she cuts around another corner and it's over there too. the the haunting or the demon is fucking with Allie at yeah. this point. Right. Because feeds off a of negative energy. Right. Yep. So the next morning, Allie's talking to Christy in the kitchen mm-hmm. and she's asking her, it's like, you know, what, what's the, you know, this is like the scary stuff when you were a kid. What were you talking about? And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. We end up quickly cutting to being having Katie over. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Christy starts trying to confide in Katie, like, you know, this stuff is really starting to freak me out. And it's just like we were kids. And Katie goes on this tear. She's like, all I remember is you crying all the time and mom having people over the house. You need to just leave it alone or you're going to end up like mom. Just leave it alone. Don't give it any energy. Right. So we end up with Christy putting Hunter down for a nap and she goes into the kitchen. (laughs) She's getting ready to make a cup of tea because the kettle's right. And all of a sudden, all the cabinet doors and all the shit just into the fucking kitchen. Did you see this one in theaters? No, I didn't see any of these in theaters. It is the biggest oh shit scream I've ever heard in a room full of people. I mean, I've seen lots of horror movies open a weekend, open a night in theaters. Yeah. Never heard anything 
comparable to that cabinet scene. Bigger than how they did it in three? Because three scares the shit out of me every time, even though I know it's coming. <laughs> three, I mean, they both scared me, but like three, there was a lot of held breath when I saw it in theaters. Okay. And then everybody was like, <gasps> like when it happens, it was just a scream. And I knew the cabinet scene was happening and I still screamed watching it. <laughs> my, my wife and kids were out of town visiting the in-laws because they got a new house. So I had Josh and his wife come over. I'm like, let's play some board games, drink some beers and watch some paranormal activity movies. And we actually watched the first one together, which is fun. It's the first time we've done it for the podcast. But after that, I was by myself, just me and the dog in the house <laughs> watching these. And then Josh actually ended up by himself a couple of days later because his wife had to go on a work trip. Yep. So these were extra creepy viewing for the podcast. Yeah, time. Ec- excellent timing for where these fell in the slot for what was going on for both of us. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so that, that is referred to as the cabinet scene. And okay. they basically... The third and fourth movies, at least, maybe even the fifth one, are directed by the guys that did that catfish documentary. Yeah. And I saw an interview with them when they made the third one. They're, they refer to it as the cabinet scene, and they had to put a cabinet scene in every movie they made. So I can't wait till we get to their f- film. <laughs> we get to Allie doing research, and she finds out, you know, she's doing some digging about witches and demons and stuff like that, and comes up with this thing where, you know, a someone can make a pact with a demon right? and in exchange for, yeah, power, money, and the only price is the firstborn son. That's it? And (laughs) well, she traces it back and she's like, and and she's filming herself talking to her boyfriend. Right, right. She's figured all this shit out. She's like, holy shit, I traced this back and Hunter's the firstborn male. Right. What if grandma did this or who the fuck knows? Because I do want to point out, Allie is not Christy's daughter, right? It's Daniel's from a previous marriage. Correct. Right. Okay, okay. Because that is kind of relevant. <laughs> yeah, she's not a blood relative to the girls. Right. So the next night, this is when stuff starts to actually kind of kick up. Um, the we get the escalation, night, right? Yeah, like from the first one. We got something luring Abby downstairs. And what this part pisses me off because you can tell where the dog runs that there's coverage over there with another camera. And you just hear her growling and then whimpering, but we don't see anything. Plus, she ran to the dining room, though. There's no camera that covers the dining room. She moves. She, oh. she wanders around to the walkway up to the front door, and that's where Dan's down there holding, holding yeah. her when he comes downstairs. I remember him holding her. I just floor. didn't know if she got hurt there. But yeah, so the dog gets hurt, and it basically gives a reason to get the dog, the dad, and I, I don't know why Allie would have to go, but she does. Like, she does. You, you get two people and the dog out of the fucking house at this point. So you got Christy and Hunter. And that's it. And that's it. I think it's just a little while later that night. We get the scene with Christy getting drug all the way out of Hunter's room and down the fucking stairs right. and all the way down into the basement, right? I wish I could remember exactly how it goes down, but I remember she hears something run somewhere and like a door slams or something. Something happens. And she's like, oh no, fuck. And she tries to leave like you always want the people to do. And then she just gets her ass dragged yeah. back down. Like this is playing back to the bed scene and it's really cool because they did it. It was some next level shit compared to the first one. And right. it comes out of nowhere. There's right. not a lot of like build up to it. It's just like, it just happens. You know, something's going to happen. Like she's home alone. Okay. We're going to get a really good jump scare, right? Wasn't even a jump scare. It was just fucking terrifying. Watching the mother get dragged away from her child down the stairs. Oh. Straight into that fucking basement. Then we do one of the time-lapse shots like we had in the first film. Right. With Katie standing around or sitting around and then you just yeah. see the clock spinning, right? Exactly. And so eventually Chrissy makes her way out of the basement and we cut to the next day. I think Allie hears something down in the basement and that's what prompts her to open the door and see all the scratches and blood on the inside of the basement door maybe but there's definitely claw marks and blood and is this the first time we see the symbol and that's what i've always wondered because when i first saw the movie and even going back and rewatching, i'm like turning my head sideways like are those are those letters are they oh, symbols no it, you're right they're like <laughs> runic letters the symbol and the symbol i'm referring to there is a triangle with a circle in it that, some words run it this starts popping up in the movies yeah big time in four yeah but not in this one yet yeah i don't it's think it's so real at also oh really mm-hmm. 
So then Allie goes back up to Hunter's room to try to talk to Christy. And at this point, something has happened to Christy because now Christy is acting just like we saw Katie act when right. she was detached. The blank stare and no soul or personality or emotions. There's nothing going on behind the eyes, right? Exactly. And she sees the bite on her leg. And so now Allie's freaking out. She calls her dad because dad had to go to a Burger King meeting. Right. And <laughs> so she calls her dad. She's begging him to come home. And he comes home and she's like, you have to please look at the footage. Just look at the damn footage. And he's getting angry that he's having to do this again because she did that earlier in the movie. They did a good job of setting it up where he's like, oh, it's the wind and this and that. Yeah. And this time he looks at it and he's like, I need to call Martine (laughs) because he sees his wife get dragged down the fucking stairs into the basement. Right. Yeah. So they get Martine back over to the house. She starts telling Dan that, like, this is what we got to do. I need a cross. I need some olive oil and we're going to fucking banish this demon. The the gist of it, the, they figure out a way to get rid of the demon. Yeah. But in a fucked up way, instead of banishing it, they just have to give it to another blood relative. Yeah, just one caveat. Yeah. So, <laughs> which Christy, had she been sane at the time, probably wouldn't have gone along with this. Probably but not. the dad is all for it. And Allie's really the only one trying to defend yeah, Katie. She's like, we can't do this to Aunt Katie. This is fucked. You yeah, know? that's what's crazy about it. So he goes from, I don't believe any of this shit to, I don't care. I'm saving my wife. Right, right. So they get the cross ready and... Does he, he goes upstairs cause she's laying down in the bed mm-hmm. and Dan goes up there and he goes to try to go ahead and put the cross on her. I think. Right. And she lights him. Yeah. I don't think we see her demon out, but Mm-mm. she does straight up attack him. Right. And then the power goes out. Yes. The power goes out and she's missing and they have to, we get to use the night vision on the camera. Yeah. We finally get to use that. And, uh, this is when shit starts to go bonkers and there's the, the, the rumbling and shit flying around and falling off the walls and falling over and shit. Is it, I think Allie hears something in the basement because they realize Hunter's missing. Yeah, Hunter's get, missing. Get the baby. They're looking, Hunter and Chrissy's missing and they're trying yeah. to find the baby. They end up in the basement and you can hear Hunter crying and the dad's like, where are you at, Hunter? Okay. And I think, well, the camera's on the ground, right? Yeah. By the time, yeah, by the time Dan gets down there, the camera ends up on the ground and I think he's going to pick up Hunter and that's when, when Christy friggin' shows up. Right. Well, you see the foot step in front of the camera that, first. That's, that's what it is. It's a silent jump scare. There's no boom. You just see it. You're like, oh, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And there's a quick little scuffle and he gets the cross on her. And then the whole fucking house starts to shake like maddeningly crazy. Yeah. It's just vibrating. There's like dust falling everywhere. It looks like an earthquake, basically. Yeah. Okay. That, that hammering in the distance is creeping me out right now. But yeah. Anyways. Sorry. There's, there's somebody. <laughs> I don't know if it's in the house. We're both freaking out, like doing this episode. And we just keep hearing this fucking banging noise. <laughs> And I'm probably not, if you guys can't hear it, it's going to be dumb, but I hope you can hear it. It's probably going to go on for the rest of the episode. Yeah. If I hear some rumbling happen, I'm out of here, dude. But uh, it cuts to them burning the picture of Katie, the one that's been talked about now twice. The one that we've seen burnt. We've seen. Yeah. But we cut to three weeks later. Right. And Katie's over and she says that things have been starting to happen over at her house. Right. So Katie drives home and it's the opening of the first one. Right. And she comes in the door and they do the bit with the camera and what did that cost? And then it flashes up. Mika was killed on October 8th, 06. Yeah. Whatever the date and time was. Yeah. Yeah. And then it cuts right back out to the Ray house. Sorry. Right. That's that's the family's last name that I've been talking about. <laughs> um, and you see that the camera above the TV looking at the couch and Dan's sitting there. Right. And a blood soaked Katie comes walking up behind him. And just snaps his neck. There's Pops like corkscrew. Yeah. No buildup. She just walks up behind him, snaps his neck. Well, then it cuts to the the nursery camera, and Christy's sitting in the little gliding rocking chair next to Hunter's bed. She might even be holding right. him, and you hear the boom, boom, like the heavy, deep steps. And yeah. Katie, but yeah, Katie comes in and she friggin' throws Christy at the camera in the corner, straight up in the style of the first one. 
Somehow Hunter survives this. Yeah. He keeps cushioned by Mama. I can deal with that. Katie vamps out with Hunter, and then we get another card up on the screen saying that Allie came home and found her family dead. Right. And the whereabouts of Katie and Hunter are unknown. All right. So 2011 rolls around, and we get Paranormal Activity 3. The prequel. Yeah, this one's a little different because it takes place in 1988, and we open up. It takes place in 1988, but we jump right back into part two. I knew it was in the 80s from the previews, but the actual movie opens with pregnant Christy painting Hunter's nursery, right? Yeah. And Dan's filming her with a home video camera, telling her she's doing a good job painting because the husband's not painting. He's got the pregnant wife out there doing it. And Katie stops by to check out the nursery. She basically tells her she's moving in with Mika. Yep. And she's got some of Grandma Lois's old boxes, and she wants to know if she could store them in the basement. Yep. And the boxes have old VHS tapes in it. Then it cuts to the break-in from the second film as well. And she says all that was missing was my sister's necklace. And then it cuts to Dan with the camera in the basement going through shit that's missing. And uh, I think that box of tapes your sister brought over is missing, right? Yep. So that has now tied that back in and, it, and it's related. And then we get to cut to the 80s. And it's Katie's birthday party. And I think it's her eighth birthday, if I remember correctly. And we hear uh, Dennis filming. Julie is Katie and Christie's real mom. And this is her boyfriend. This is not their dad. Yeah. And he's like a wedding videographer, right? So, of course, they have him filming the the birthday party. Now, I know he's supposed to be a professional videographer. Right. I have to say something right here. I'm just going to be over here like a little ball of nerves. It really irks me that in 88, we're supposed to buy that this camera is HD, films in 16 by 9, and has surround sound audio. I'm just saying. You got to suspend belief. Okay. (laughs) I do want to point out, this is the first movie that doesn't say footage from the you know what i mean like true yeah the first movie says that the katie and mika's family allowed the footage and then they did the same thing with the ray family allowed the footage for yeah. the second one this one they just threw out the this is real like because everybody's everybody's caught on at this point yes yeah. so dennis the boyfriend is filming the birthday party with his camera and you know they're like oh it's katie the birthday girl and you see christy sitting under a trampoline which is not safe i just want to point that out <laughs> especially at a party right right and, and she's talking to an invisible friend that's not there so oh. this starts becoming a ongoing theme here so we get introduced to dennis the boyfriend julie the mom katie christy and i think grandma lois is at the birthday party right yep because she's i think making fun of the boyfriend and you know but we find out Christy has an imaginary friend named Toby and Dennis's assistant Randy shows up because it looks like he's got a little studio set up in the garage, right? Yeah. Like it's the man cave. He's got all his editing equipment in there. And this is when you really find out that he's a wedding videographer. I was kind of jumped ahead of myself earlier. But while they're in there, Dennis hears something in the house and he should have been alone. And he runs around. I think the Teddy Ruxpin's like talking or whatever, right? Which yeah. is a nice little 80s throwback to see Teddy Ruxpin in there. Yeah. And, just- Go ahead. Yeah, just to solidify that, you know, just just in case you forgot, we're in the 80s. We're in the 80s. Uh, and the bedroom closet door opens up. And Christy jumps in front of the camera out of nowhere. And it was a good jump scare. Yeah. <laughs> got me. It got me again, you know. It cuts to nighttime. And I don't know why Dennis is supposed to have the camera on. He's making fun of Julie because they're about to smoke some weed, right? Yeah. And she's like, don't film me. This is illegal. And then he, you know, he's like, how about we make a sex tape? And she says, yeah. And he has like the, oh, oh, oh really? Like, yeah. He's so surprised. Holy fuck, she's going to do it. So he sets the camera up and, and, you know, they're trying to do their thing. And then the ultimate cock block happens. A fucking earthquake <laughs> starts. And of course they jump off the bed and they go to get the kids. And I just remember hearing just like a whole room of, oh shits in the theater. Cause once again, <laughs> I went open at night and you see drywall or dust falling off the ceiling and it lands on, it looks like somebody's head and shoulder basically yeah. that shouldn't be there. Randy comes over the next day for work 
and he's reviewing the tapes and he's like, I caught cause he's, you know, you're wondering why he would do it, but he's like, I caught the earthquake, right? Like that was the significance of it. And he sees the dust. And of course, Randy's like, is that a sex tape? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he showed Julie and she's like, that's something messed up on the camera. Just delete it. Yeah. Cause she's like, Oh, look how fat I am. But yeah. He shows it to her. <laughs> so the setup for this movie to film it is he's a videographer. So he has multiple cameras. So like his assistants, like Randy and, and whatnot can run around and interview people. Right. And he can edit it. So he talks to Julie and letting them put cameras around the house. And the first night you see Christy walk up to the camera, which is right by the closet door. And she's talking to somebody okay. that we can't see. Right. So the, the invisible friend has once again popped up and that's <laughs> the only creepy thing. The next day, Dennis is asking Christy who she was talking to. She's like, Oh, my friend, Toby. And you see grandma Lois is there and she's hanging out with Julie. And she's like, you got to have another kid. And she's like, I don't want another kid. I got two girls. And she's like, that's the thing though, but you, you've always wanted a boy. You should have a boy. Yeah. And she's like, no, I'm done. Okay. And then Dennis realizes this is the most genius part of this fucking movie. <laughs> Dennis realizes that he, he can't hit like enough of the house, the amount of cameras he has. And he wants to be able to get the living room and the kitchen. Okay. And it's kind of like a almost open floor plan. There's yeah. a, there is a wall, but it's got like a opening on each side. So you can walk in and he takes an oscillating fan apart and he puts the camera on the oscillating fan. And Oh my God, the tension, this fucking camera builds. Cause it slowly will pan, you know, say it's facing center and it's the wall that divides the two rooms. Yeah. And it pans to the right, to the kitchen slowly. And then it slowly pans back left all the way into the living room to the front door. And it just keeps doing this. So every time it cuts to this camera in the movie, you are waiting for something to jump scare you every time it pans back. Yeah. Cause it's always moving and it, they don't do it for the most part. I mean, it happens some, but like it's, it's way in and every time. No matter how many times I see that movie, I'm, I can't remember what's going to happen when. And that camera is pure fucking genius on the on the fan. So, yeah. But most of the nights you just hear something walking around the house uh, when there shouldn't be. You hear banging. Christy gets up randomly playing and talking to things like it's just it, yeah. it's several nights of that happening so that you get that this is just normal to Christy and she's not even bothered by it. Dennis is just getting more and more interested and he's been talking to Randy about it. So Randy shows up with some books on witchcraft, demons, ghost. And I think once again, you, you get the theme. I believe Dennis reads that like the, the demons feed on negative energy, ghosts feed on negative energy. Yep. You can't taunt them. I know one of the girls are talking about bloody Mary to Randy and like the driveway and they're what's bloody Mary. And like, don't talk about that. You know, that's right. Well, that's where, is that when they're in the driveway and take the picture of Christy? Oh yeah. Yeah. They take the picture of Christy in the okay. dress in front of the garage door, which has popped up in the other two movies at that point. Um, the girls take Dennis's camera and actually try to play bloody Mary. I actually just remembered that. And yeah. they get caught by the mom. And she's like, don't mess with Dennis's camera. <laughs> she doesn't want to, have to pay for that thing. Yeah, right? Play with the demons. Just don't use the camera. Well, she doesn't know about the demons. <laughs> I yet. know. I know. But the, it's funny she says that, but she leaves the camera set up in the bathroom, staring at the mirror, and there's like a door behind the camera, but the door to the left and right, and it might have been a closet, but the door to the left and right in the girls' room, Julie takes the girls out, but then the door goes wham and slams behind the camera. That's right. I don't know if it's a closet or what, but it was, once again, a pretty good fucking jump scare. <laughs> <laughs> that night, Julie goes and like gets leftovers out of the fridge, right? And you got the fucking camera going to the kitchen, watching her eat, going back to the living room. Going back to the kitchen and she drops a fork in the garbage disposal, goes back to the living room and then goes back to the kitchen. And you just know her hands about to get caught in the garbage disposal. <laughs> and you hear the, the low hum again. And then you just hear like a slam and glass shatter. And then it cuts to Dennis physically holding a camera and the chandelier has fallen. Right. Okay. Like at the entryway. Does that sound right? One, well, I know that happens in the fourth one. I, I can't place it in the third one. I mean, there's chandelier. Yeah, that <laughs> definitely happens in the first one. That, it happens there. Um, 
the next morning, Katie gets the camera and she's playing with the camera again after she's told not to. And she's taunting Toby, right? Because there's <laughs> like, that negative energy. Like she shouldn't do. And Christy tells her you shouldn't do that because Christy's a little sister. She looks about two or three years younger. I think this was supposed to be six and eight. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know if six is a relevant number in this category, but. We'll be when we talk about birthdays later. <laughs> that does come up. You're right. <laughs> Katie goes to the closet door and goes in the closet and the camera's outside. Right. And then the closet door slam and lock on her. Yeah. Well, they got, it's like a little, it's a little bitty door, like a, like a little hatch thing. Yeah. That, like you'll see to go into an attic in an upstairs area. And that's where Christy tends to go on the night tapes to go. Exactly. Talk, right. She, yeah. She's either looking over there talking or wandering off over there. And she's screaming and the door eventually opens and she's able to get out. And that night we get a date night pop up. Dennis and Julie get to go out and they have a babysitter come over yep. and the kids are telling her what's going on and, and this and that. And of course she puts on a white sheet and she's running around the house like she's a ghost, Ooh, you know, and I guess that would be negative energy again. Right. But this leads to one of the creepier fucking scenes in the movie. Yeah. Cause the kids go to bed. She's doing something at the kitchen table. I believe it's homework. Yeah, she looks and, like she's studying or something. And the camera pans to her studying, and then it pans to the foot of the stairs of the entry door, and you see kid height sheet. And then it pans back to her. Oh, do you actually see it in the other room? Yeah, oh. yeah. Like, you know it's I've coming. I've seen this like four times and never <laughs> And then it pans <laughs> back to that scene, and you don't see the sheet. And yeah. then it pans back to the kitchen, and the sheet's standing like three or four feet behind her. I have goosebumps right now <laughs> talking about the scene. And you hear the hum and everything, and then it just stops, and then the sheet just drops flat in the floor with nothing under it. Yeah, and right. She, right when she turns around. Well, yeah, I think that's what makes her turn around. And she picks up the sheet, and she's confused, and and it, the cameras follow her through the house because she goes to check on the girls, and she walks towards the closet door because that's where the camera is, and you start hearing something growling, and I want to say it might even blow wind in her face, right? Uh, it does the the camera up in the girls' room. Yeah, because yeah, she's it, in there. It does the the wind thing in the yeah, face, and it, and it blows her hair, and she runs downstairs, freaking out. And you basically just see every time the oscillating fan camera goes, she's sitting at that front door waiting on them to get there. Yeah, nervous as fuck. Yeah, and when they walk in, she's like, "All right, I got to go, peace," and leaves. And for some reason, doesn't tell them about it, right? Yeah. And then the next morning, Dennis is reviewing the tapes in the garage with Randy. He shows Randy the footage, and and they're just like super freaked out at that point because they they hear the growling and they they see the wind blow, right? Yeah. I don't remember if this was the same night, next night or what, but you also have Christy. It, it could have been the same night as the baby. Well, maybe after the babysitter left and yeah. Dennis and Julie come in and go to bed. But Christy gets up and she's playing with somebody and she's walking on like the banister because you can. It's almost the girl's bedroom's aloft. Yeah. You can look down and she's standing on there looking down at the living room and you hear her say like, if you promise to catch me or something. And she fucking jumps off and then you just hear her giggling and running back up the stairs to do it again. Yeah. So I'm I'm guessing I don't remember them reviewing that footage, though. I don't know if they review it, but we're definitely setting up more and more of the girl's involvement with Toby. Yeah, and it's definitely some deeper shit happening than lights turning on and off, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, Dennis ends up, I know this is this is definitely going to end here after this movie, and we'll just have to roll into, uh, you know, four, five, and six in another episode. <laughs> but um, Dennis goes to the closet, and you see these, like, symbols drawn, and you definitely get the triangle with the circle in it as yeah. well as some other symbols in the closet. And shortly after the closet scene, Christy ends up sick and has a really bad fever. So Dennis and Julie have to take Christy to the hospital. Why they don't just take Katie, I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. They don't have a babysitter all of a sudden. I wonder why. <laughs> so they call Randy, and uh, Randy's, you know, sure, I'll come watch Katie. And uh, the first thing Katie wants to do is go play Bloody Mary in the bathroom with the camera. And he's like, why don't we play tea party or something? Because he doesn't want to do any of that. This is his boss's daughter, right? Yeah, and this is one of the scariest scenes in the movie. Yeah. They take the camera, and they turn out the lights, and they say Bloody Mary. And 
I think he might pause like he doesn't want to say it the third time. So basically, Katie's telling him he's not doing it right because he's genuinely scared. He knows what's going on. Yeah. And they end up doing the Bloody Mary three times and he screams like, oh, shit. They turn the lights on and he pulls his shirt up and he has a claw mark or just a singular scratch down his side. He's in a lot of pain. Yeah. And he just covers up and tells Katie that everything's okay. Nothing's wrong. And they try to go out into the bedroom and you see like fucking furniture rolling across the room. Yep. And then the door slams and you got the beating on the door like something's trying to get in there. And then he'll open the door and peek and then something else will fly across. And eventually they, they run out of there. I love that scene so much because... He's so, like you said, he's so scared, but the whole time he's like, everything's fine. Everything's going to be okay. Like trying to console her and she's quiet the whole time and he's freaking the fuck out. Well, he's seen all the videos footage and and she hasn't seen shit. So, I mean, she's scared, but like he's, he's obviously more scared. He basically tells Dennis he fucking quits, like that he doesn't need to fuck with this stuff anymore. He's feeding it. He's making it worse. I don't work for you anymore. I'm fucking out of here. But Dennis ends up reviewing the tapes and he sees all this fucked up shit happening and he has a picture, and I guess it would be from a library book and not the internet. This is his 88, right? Yeah. But he shows Julia a picture in black and white of all these women that are supposed to be a witch's coven. And they all have a necklace on with the triangle, and with the, the circle. circle symbol. They don't give the coven a name yet, I don't think. He definitely knows something's going on. So then it cuts upstairs to the girl's bedroom, and Christy and Katie are playing tag. And Katie basically runs into an invisible wall that's not there, right? Yeah. And I think, does he, does he grab her hair? Yes, yeah. and that's another creepy fucking scene. Yeah, because you see this little girl's hair just get pulled up. And she just gets picked up off the fucking ground, screaming. Yeah. Downstairs, I, I don't know, it cuts back and forth, but Dennis explained to Julie that there's a witch's coven, and they take the firstborn son because of a pact, right? So we're going back to that again. Julie starts getting mad at Dennis, like he's getting too much into this, and, and they hear Katie screaming, and they run up there, and Katie's like, Toby pulled my hair. And yeah. then Julie gets pissed, and she's like, see what you're doing here? See what you're doing to the girls? You got to stop this. That is enough. Then the next night, Dennis is working in the garage. and he, It looks like he's doing like wedding footage. Like he's, he's legitimately trying to stay off of it. Right. Yeah. And you hear like the static and the humming and the rumbling in the girl's room. And you see like the blankets get yanked off of Katie. Right. And then everything starts blowing around in the room. Like they're in a wind tunnel or something. And Christy wakes up and she's like, Toby's here. And Katie's like screaming. And this part's really fucked up. It's kind of reminiscent of the, uh, older guy sending. Right. Yeah. And Christy's like, just ignore him. It'll go away. So Christy, I guess, is trying to like protect the family now at this point. But then Katie just gets yanked out of the fucking bed again. Yeah. I think she gets dragged to the closet and then makes it back to the bed. She's getting drugged around. And then I remember Christy says, let her go and I'll do it. Right. Something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It stops. The next morning, Christy is telling her mom that she wants to go see Grandma Lois. She says, because Toby said so. And the mom gets angry because Toby gets brought up again. So she's talking to Grandma Lois on the phone. I guess somebody called her, and we're about to get our cabinet scene in this movie. Because, you know, she's like, I don't know. And then she hears a knock at the door. She's like, I'll call you back, Mom. She goes to the door. Nobody's there. It's ding-dong ditch, right? And she walks back into the kitchen. And before I say what actually happened, I was so uncomfortable in the movie theater because something was wrong. Like, on the scene, I'm looking at the screen, and something was wrong. And everybody got silent, Okay. And I feel like we all thought something was wrong. And Julie actually gets silent as well. And she's like looking around and I'm trying to figure out what's wrong in the room. Then what happens is all of the furniture, all the condiments, all the silverware drops from off camera. Yep. Right. Like the camera can't see the ceiling. Just all fucking falls. The kitchen table, the the fucking chairs, the salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> Goddamn. Everything in the room just drops and everybody just like gassed really loud in the theater. 
But it was so weird because, I mean, did you notice all the furniture was missing when you saw it the first time? No. What's really funny is I didn't even notice it the most the most recent time that I watched right. it. I had to rewind it because I'm like, table? And I had to rewind <laughs> it and then like go back earlier in the movie and I'm like, okay, all that shit was in there. Right. <laughs> And it's, it's so fucking well done. And that's where I saw the interview with the catfish guys. And they're like, what are we going to do for our cabinet scene? And okay. I'd say they went up it honestly. Oh yeah. That one's fucking wild. I man. was like, you don't know what's wrong. And then it just happens. But basically Julie believes <laughs> at this point. Yeah. And she, uh, they pack up the girls, Dennis, and Julie pack up the girls and they go to grandma Lois's house. And of course she's letting them stay there. And it's a huge house yeah. on a lot of property. And they're trying to get ready for bed and they go to grandma Lois has like a wedding veil on Christy and jewelry on her and this, this and that. And she's like, take that stuff off of her. And I want to say she says she wants to look pretty for Toby. Or yeah. Something, she, right? She's like, she, you're going to be a beautiful bride. And the mom's like, who, who are you going to be a beautiful bride for? And she's like, for Toby. And mom's like, no, fuck this. Get that shit off. Right, of her. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, they all go to bed Yeah, and they start hearing cars pull up. And I want to say the time on the cameras, witching hour esque, or maybe it's, it's, it's at least 1am. Yeah. Right. At that point, you know, Dennis hears it. Then Julie wakes up because she hears it. And she's like, you know, my mom stays up late. And she's like, let me see what's going on. So then Julie leaves the room and it time lapses a bit. And uh, Dennis decides to get the camera and he gets up and he walks past the camera. Right. Which makes him block the doorway for a second. Mm-hmm. And when he walks by and you can see the doorway again, Grandma Lois is standing there, but That's he's right. not facing that way. And then he walks by the camera again and she's completely fucking gone. Right. Yeah. And he's walking around with the camera and he doesn't know where Julie's at. And he's asking for her. Girls are missing. They're not in their room. I remember there was a dining room where the girls were playing in earlier in the movie with paintings everywhere. And the paintings are on the ground and there's pentagrams on the wall. And like the, the witch coven symbol with the triangle and the circle were all hidden on the wall under the paintings. That's right. Cause when they first get there with the girls, Christy goes wandering off into that room and there's the one picture with the unicorn. Right. And she's sitting there picking at the wall. Yeah. Right. Like under she it. knows something's under it. Yeah. I do want to point out there is a painting. It's like this weird guy and it's red and black and it's like kind of abstract and it's really creepy looking. It's in Grandma Lois's house a couple times in the movie. And I want to say it might pop up in the Ray's house. And it's also in like the insidious movies and shit. Like there's really? a painting. I'll show you a picture of it. I'll put it on the Instagram. I want to find out the significance of the, the painting. I actually forgot to research it, but it pops up in a bunch of Blumhouse movies. So it's like the Delta. Yeah, it's kind of like the Delta. <laughs> it's, but I don't know whose Delta it is. I'm assuming Jason Blum because I don't know. Orrin Pelly actually produced lots of. Blumhouse movies going forward. So it's, it's one of them owns this fucking painting, but anyways, he, he sees the symbols on the wall and like I said, it's a pentagram and the witch coven symbol. And he keeps hearing sounds throughout the house and he walks and there's like this breezeway that connects, I guess the garage and the house. Yeah. Or like the, it's like a mother-in-law's wing or something. Yeah. This yeah. whole other area. So he walks over there and he opens that door and there's no lights on. He turns on, there's a bunch of women in all black standing there and they're just staring at him. Like they were just in there dark. So he's like, what the fuck? And he runs back into the kitchen of the house, the actual house and shuts the door and they're, they're walking towards him, I believe, but he ends up walking up the stairs. Sorry guys, this is kind of long, but he sees <laughs> Julie at the top of the stairs. <laughs> he couldn't resist. He sees Julie standing at the top of the stairs and he walks up and you realize something's not right. Cause she's just kind of there and you realize she's levitating. Yeah. And she gets thrown down the stairs yep. and hits Dennis and knocks him and the camera over. He ends up finding Christy. I don't remember how he fucking finds Christy, but they hide in the closet and the closet's like rumbling, like something's trying to get in. They try to leave and they hear Katie crying. They turn around and Katie's at the foot of the stairs by her mom's dead body crying Yeah, without her face at the camera. And he's like, Christy, you stay here. And Dennis starts walking up to the foot of the stairs. And he's like, don't look at that, Katie. Let's go. And Katie turns and little girl Katie gets the fucking demon face Yeah, and attacks him and knocks him over. And the camera hits the floor. Yep. And then runs off. And you can hear both the girls giggling. So Christy's not scared. 
Yeah. And the girls are uh, giggling. And then Grandma Lois walks into the room. And then she looks to the right. I want to say she puts her hand down almost like she's petting something. And you hear growling. Uh-huh. Right? Dennis basically just gets fucking folded in half. Like, yeah. like fucking pretzel or something. And he's dead as fuck. And fucking Grandma Lois just grabs the girls like nothing happens and takes them upstairs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She's like, well, come on, girls. And then Christy goes, come on, Toby. Yeah. 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 So which is just creepy because she's kind of an innocent looking six year old kid. She's almost like the uh, female version of, of the boy from Child's Play almost. Like yeah. she comes off that innocent. Yeah. And it and that's something really cool. Like when we get to six. Yeah. Like that girl. And some of her lines. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, this franchise is just so good. Um, honestly, the third one, I think, is my favorite one. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, in the first one, obviously, because we wouldn't have them. But uh, this one, I've seen the third one more than I've seen any. No, that's a lot. I've seen the first one the most. But this is the sequel I've seen the most. It's at least my favorite sequel. Yeah. I like the 80s vibe. The fan building the tension. This is the first one you can tell they put like a lot of money into. And it's like a studio yeah. production, right? Yeah, absolutely. The quality's there. The There's a lot of new stuff and new elements that were put in. A lot of special effects with things flying around the rooms yep. and stuff like that. And the demon is is a embodied. He's Well, I don't want to say that until later. <laughs> but the demon, is he's present yeah, more than the other ones. And it's neat because the thing that happens is we go from wondering about what something was. It's Toby. It's this demon thing. You can trace it back through the movies. But then the witch thing is now creeping up at the same right. time, too. And you're left wondering, how does this all intertwine and why are they so friendly with Toby? And how are they going to put this all together? <laughs> but we've hit a lot longer than I'd like to go to continue, right? There's six <laughs> of these things. We've done the first three. So you'll have to wait until next week where we'll go into Paranormal Activities 4, 5, and 6. And we'll wrap up this franchise for you. Keep on supporting us, giving us feedback and comments on sbys at gmail.com keep checking out twitter and instagram we finally started putting some pictures on the instagram at least so we'll keep on using that yay stuff and keep on spreading the word and bringing us some more listeners Thank you,